Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. If you're with us for the first time, we're on this series called Hungry, Hungry Humans, as you can see. And here's my question. How many of you have a weird craving? Weird cravings. Now, we won't take a poll, so that's all right. But like, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy, crazy cravings. Have you, anybody watched that ridiculous show, My Strange Addiction? Anybody heard of it? Like all of the crazy things people, like they just crave and they eat stuff like dirt and hair and ashes. One girl just loved like ashes, like not the cigarette, the ashes on the cigarette. Is that weird? My, my favorite one is the couch cushion, like the fuzz in the couch cushion. Like talk about weird things people crave, craving fuzz. Like another girl, she this is kind of gross, she would pluck out like her hair follicles and like the little follicle thing on the end. It's just like, I know, it's just weird. Weird cravings. I don't, hopefully nobody has those kind of weird cravings here. But here's the thing about hunger makes you do funny things, doesn't it? it even, when, even when you're hungry for like real food, sometimes the things that we crave, we crave where actually our body isn't craving the thing we think we want, like chocolate, it's actually craving magnesium. Did you know that? And instead of eating the chocolate that's full of sugar and all sorts of stuff that's not good for you, guess what you eat instead? Nuts, seeds, legumes. Here's another one, sugar. When you crave sugar, your body is craving, actually it's craving broccoli. <laughs> it's craving, isn't that crazy? It's craving stuff like, like carbon and chromium and phosphorus and sulfur. And so sugar, eat some broccoli, eat some cheese, eat some fruit, eggs, dairy, cabbage, cauliflower. How many of you are the bread cravers? You get hungry for bread, pasta, guess what? Your body's craving nitrogen. So eat lots of meat. Just the opposite, hey, of the pasta and the bread. Fish, nuts, beans. How many of you like the fatty food? Oh, the French fries and chips. Yes. You know what you should eat instead? Broccoli. In fact, broccoli shows up on a lot of these different cravings. If you're, if you're craving pop or carbonated stuff, your body's lacking calcium. Guess where you get it? Broccoli. Here's one for all of you chewing ice people. How many of you were the chewing ice people? Oh, this is, you know what your body is lacking? This is funny. It's, lacking, it's craving iron. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Oh, here's, yeah, more greens and seaweed. There you go. Eat seaweed instead of chewing ice. Nice on the teeth. But you know, being, that, that being hangry feeling is a terrible feeling, isn't it? He, oh, when hunger is satisfied, oh, it is a wonderful feeling. But here's the other thing too. When hunger isn't satisfied, isn't satisfied, that's also a good thing too. Because just because I'm not hungry doesn't actually mean I'm healthy. So I can be malnourished in my body and not be hungry. 
And so this whole series that we're on, Hungry, Hungry Humans, redirecting the hunger that drives us, Re being able to recognize what this hunger that I have for this thing in life, and we're not talking about food hungers, we're talking about the hunger in our soul, the, the soul hungers. When we start, there's certain hungers that can, they're actually directing us to a way for something else that isn't actually what our soul is looking for. So in the same way that we can give our body the wrong fuel when it's hungry, we can actually end up giving our soul or our spirit the wrong food or the wrong fuel when it's hungry. That's why we want to figure out. And usually it happens when we don't recognize, oh, this hunger in my soul, this hunger, this thing that I really am craving, it actually means that. What I'm craving, and you know, you know the hungers here, just little bit of personal transparency here. Well, you know the hungers that get me in trouble? When I'm hungry for acceptance. Because you know what it has caused you to do? It causes you to overperform. <laughs> it causes you to do stuff in order for people to, oh, that was great. Even stuff that you don't really want to do. Another hunger that gets me in trouble is the hunger for truth. Because you know what? What that ends up producing is I get really bullheaded in what I believe is right. Right, honey? <laughs> You're shaking your head. <laughs> oh, another thing. You know, even, even, even something as simple as the hunger to have family together. I just want everybody together all the time. Now, I don't so much put that on my natural family because I grew up in a family that that was just like, we have to do everything together all the time, and I felt smothered. Anybody else feel that? Like maybe in your family, you just feel smothered. But you know what it can do? I end up putting that on church family. I just want to be together all the time. Everything. And that's smothering too. And so we have these hungers in our soul. And if we don't learn how to recognize, oh, this actually means that, we'll end up feeding our soul the wrong kind of food, the wrong kind of fuel, and we'll still be left dissatisfied. And this is why God often uses different types of hunger. Like Mike, we talked about last week, we looked at the hunger of emptiness. When our life feels empty, some of the other hungers we're going to look at is the, the hunger, restlessness is a hunger. Questions are a hunger. We're going to look at discontentment today. And you can put any kind of dis in there, disappointment, dissatisfaction. But the, God will use these hungers to get our attention. And what, he's, and, and what he's, he's trying to show us is there's actually something different going on in you. And this actually means that. See, there's nothing like hunger to get us moving. Isn't that true? I mean, you can be sitting all day playing video games, tuning out the kids, tuning out your phone, every, everything else gets tuned out, but the minute you get hungry, what happens? Off the couch, looking for food. It's true, we do this. We do it all the time, but, but God uses hunger to get our attention. A lot of times, because he's trying to get us moving. He's trying to direct us in a certain direction. A lot of times he wants to try to feed us something new, because you know what, when, when, we're, when we're hungry, I mean, when, you know, if we're always satisfied, we'll just kind of like, I'll just eat what I want. 
but there's nothing like being really hungry to eat whatever is in front of you. How many of you have done that? You're, you're going all day, you haven't eaten, and you're just like, I'm starving. And you'll just like, whatever is there. It's like, I don't like this, but it's the only thing there. I'm hunger, hungry. But God uses different types of hunger to get our attention. And in the same way that hunger starts the digestive process in our bodies, that will el eventually eliminate the junk in our bodies, these kinds of hungers, there are soul hungers that God uses that can start the process to eliminate the junk in our soul. Stuff like anxiety and worry and fear or bitterness or greed or pride or insecurity. And so this week, what do we mean by discontent? What does that mean? Well, it's this, it's kind of like this underlying always, it's, it's kind of like you don't, it's like that itch that you just can't scratch. It's this underlying angst, this irritability. Maybe you get angry really easy. It's just kind of like this, this, this irrit, it's just like, oh, I'm dissatisfied all the time. It's like an internal frustration that doesn't let up. That's like a sign, it's a picture of discontent and it shows itself in different ways depending on what kind of person we are. But here, it's, it's, I like calling it, it's like being spiritually hangry. It's just like, so just, and, you, and you, might not, you might be smiling on the outside, but inside, in your head, you're just kind of like, it's like you're simmering all the time. It's true. Anybody relate to this? It's just like there's that angst. It's just like, even if you just say that word, just say that word, angst. It, it, that's exactly what it is. You're just like, ah, it's like all the time. But here's the thing about, here's the thing about discon being discontent or discontentment. It's tricky. Because the opposite of that is contentment. And contentment can be good. In fact, Paul, one of the, the writers who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he wrote Philippians, I think it's 4.11. He said, I've learned how to be content in every circumstance. Wherever I'm at, I've learned how to be content. So that's a good thing. God wants there to be that contentment in our soul. But this is what I have experienced. And maybe you can relate. There is a fine line between contentment and apathy. Where we are just so content. It's like, I'm good. I, I, I'm just really good. I'm just, I'm just so good. I just, life is just great. It's awesome. I'm just good. And you've been good for 10 years. The same good for 10 years. Or 20. Or more. Because we can get so good, I just feel so content, I don't need anything, and I'm so good, that we don't change, that we don't grow, that we're just so happy the way we are, and we miss out on the more that God wants to bring us into. See, because this is how it works. It's like the cycle, you get, you get dis, you're discontent about something, whether dissatisfied or disappointment or whatever dis you want to put in there. You can put your own dis in there. Like, you just get discontent. And so what do we do? We go on pursuit. 
We go, we look for, I need a new job. I don't like my job. We, we go for a new, you know, new house. I need a new house. Or we need a new relationship. Or we need a new a career, or career. We need a new, you know, whatever. New, new shoes, new whatever we're looking for. We go on the pursuit, whatever the discontent is. A lot of times we look for the stuff in this world and we get it. Woohoo, I got it. And then what happens? That we just stay. We become content. Because the discontent is now satisfied because we got what we were looking for. True? We're content. But what happens is we miss out because there's more. And this is what some of Jesus, one of his particular closest friends, experienced. And this is a story of Peter, and it's at the John 21, and this is a few days, maybe even a couple weeks after Jesus had, had resurrected from the dead. And Peter is in a place of discontent. He's discontent because all of his ideas and ideals about who Jesus, about who he thought Jesus was, and all of the ideas that he had about what Jesus, the Messiah, was going to do, he'd given up everything to follow Jesus for three years, believing that Jesus was this particular kind of person who was going to do this particular kind of thing, except, boom, he gets killed, he's dead, and they put him in a grave, and he's just like, oh, now what do we do? Like, that's screwed. But then he rises up from the dead, and it's so awesome. Except we have resurrection and there's still no revolution. Because they were waiting for the Messiah to come and lead them in this huge march on Rome to overthrow the big bad government Rome. And they were going to be storming in and they were going to be bringing in the revolution of God's new kingdom on earth. And all the bad guys were going to get their what for and God's kingdom was going to be on earth. And they were going to be ruling with Jesus except none of that was happening. What was happening? Jesus was showing up, disappearing, showing up, disappearing, and they had no idea where he was. It's just like, what the heck? Like, dead guy comes back from the grave. We know he wants us because he came. He met us. He breathed on us and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Peter and the other disciples had something no one ever had experienced before. They were now filled with the life of God. God's Spirit had come on people before. But God wasn't able to dwell in human beings. The cross is what changed everything. And Jesus came and he went, blew on him and said, receive my spirit. And then he's like, go. The way that the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Go on mission. Except they didn't do that. John 21. Peter is, Jesus had disappeared again. And he left them, and Peter's like, heck with this. I'm going fishing. That's literally what he said. John 21, 2. I'm going fishing. The rest of them, the disciples replied, we're going with you. They went out, got in the boat. They caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. And Jesus said to them, good morning. Did you catch any breakfast? They answered, No. And he said, well, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, 
And all of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master. And when Peter realized that it was the master, this is what's so funny. He threw on clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. Like he gets dressed to jump in the water. Love it. The other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from land, 100 yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've caught. And Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore. 153 big fish. There is a reason that is mentioned. Even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. And Jesus said, breakfast is ready. And not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the master. Then Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus has shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then he asked a second time, Simon, son of John, whoops, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he goes on to give Peter some more words, some encouragement. And he ends with this. He says, follow me. Follow me, Peter. You know, here we have... Such a great picture that really in so many ways parallels us. Even if you're not a fisherman, it still relates. And you know, what's so amazing is we have Peter and the disciples going the opposite direction from where Jesus told them. I mean, they were so frustrated in this discontent. Instead of going out on mission that Jesus had commissioned them to do, Peter's like, I'm going fishing. In other words, they went back to what was familiar and what had filled them before, fishing. But Jesus is just so gracious. He came to them, not just where they were at, but he came to them and met them in almost exactly the same way when he first called them. You can read about it in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus, first Peter and James and John, their first encounter with Jesus, he's like, hey, can I use your boat? I need to preach. There's too many people on this, the beach here. I need to go out. And, and so then when they're done, he's like, hey, have you guys been, what's going on? He goes, oh, we were fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. And Jesus is like, exact words, throw the net on the other side. And they got this catch that was beyond anything that they could see before. They've ever, they'd never experienced anything like that before. And that's when Peter, they're just like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I'm going to follow you. And so the next three years, he gives his whole life to following Jesus. And then everything goes haywire. It goes sideways. Nothing happens the way he thought it is. But Jesus in his grace comes and he calls Peter and the other disciples. He said, follow me in almost exactly the same way. 
And see, what Peter experienced was this discontent that put him on this pursuit. I need to go find something to get rid of this discontent, this disappointment, this dissatisfaction in my soul. And then he gets it. He got what he went looking for. I'm going fishing. Guess what he gets? God gives him this big, huge catch, 153 fish. That would have set Peter up for life. It would have looked really good on his resume. I am that fisherman. I got that big catch, 153. It said big fish. This was massive. But now Peter was faced with a choice. Would he stay content with the catch? And I think that's where we can find ourselves too. When we go on our own pursuit, that discontent in our soul that pushes us to go, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to fill it, I'm trying to, I'm pursuing, I'm trying to get it. And then we actually might get what we're looking for. You might get that relationship. You might get that special someone. You might get that promotion. You might get the job. You might get the new fill in the blank, whatever the toy or the acquisition is you're looking for. You might get it. But if you look at what Peter did, look at what he did. Peter leaves the 153 fish, jumps out of the boat, swims to shore for a little fish breakfast with Jesus. Big catch or little fish breakfast with Jesus. See, how do we respond when we get the catch of a lifetime? that thing that we think we actually need that's going to fill that soul hunger in us? How do we respond? Will we look to the stuff of this world to satisfy that discontent or to satisfy that hunger? Will we let that hunger be satisfied by just the temporary? Or will we actually recognize that that hunger in our soul is pointing to something else. It's pointing us in the direction of Jesus. Something that our soul is longing for that can only be filled by something eternal or actually someone eternal. See, Peter got what he was fishing for. But he left it behind. He left the temporary behind for a breakfast with Jesus. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Yes, this catch is amazing. Yes, it happened because of you. But you know what? I'm actually willing to just leave it, and I'm actually wanting you. And you know what? I think even with Peter, it wasn't, it wasn't just Jesus will do this, but it was actually an, Jesus was giving him that opportunity to follow him again. And I think this is what God does. He waits to see if we will choose him over the big catch. You want, you want fish, Peter? Great. I'll give you fish. 153. Boom. Got it. Net is full. Almost sinking your boat. How bad do you want it? You can have the big catch or you can have a little bitty fish breakfast with me. And this is where I think God allows us to experience that discontent in our soul because he wants us to choose what food or what fuel is going to fill us, the temporary stuff 
or him? Will we choose to let him fill those things in us, that discontent in our soul? Will we choose to follow him again? See, God isn't willing to share our heart with anyone or anything. He is not content until he has all of us. It can't be Jesus and something else. He wants our whole heart. He wants to be the one to fill that hunger in us. And see, he's not doing, he's not doing this. It's not that he, he doesn't want to share a heart because he's some egomaniac that just wants the world to bow down to him. You know, that's not what the way God works. He wants our whole heart because he loves us too much to watch us starve on the temporary things we keep putting in trying to fill the hunger in us that never fully satisfy. It's not that God doesn't want to provide for us and give us things. It's not that he doesn't want opportunities or relationships or experiences. But those things, if we're looking to them as a hunger, we will be dissatisfied. We will be discontent. See, God wants us, God wants to be our everything. He doesn't want to just be the delivery man. He doesn't want to just be the one, he doesn't want to just be the one giving us bread. He wants to be the bread of life. He wants to be more than the one that just, you know, gives us the things that we need for life. Although he does and he loves to do that. But he actually wants to be our life. Luke 6, 21, in the Passion, says, how filled you become. And these are Jesus' words. This is in one of his famous sermons. He said, how filled you become when you are consumed with hunger and desire, for you will be completely satisfied. And he was speaking that in the context, when you're hungering and thirsting for me, when you're hungry for me, that's when you're going to be really satisfied. And see, when we decide that we can repurpose the discontentment in us, in other words, we can use it to make the conscious decision, okay, God, I'm, I'm feeling this discontent. And while I really want to chase after, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, I really want the sugar, the chocolate, the fatty food. I'm going to choose broccoli. <laughs> I really want the bread and the pasta, but I'm going to choose the meat instead. <laughs> See, we'll allow that discontent, if we'll repurpose it, if we'll allow it to redirect us, God, I'll pursue you. And see, when we stop snacking on the stuff that is a temporary fix, man, we snack on relationships. They're not bad, but we snack on them. And see, there's things about God that we, there's aspects of who God is that we will never be able to know except when we're in a place of real hunger and we experience the fulfillment of that from him first and foremost. See, how can I know God as the God who is always there unless I find myself in a place of hungering and thirsting for companionship and relationship friendship and all of those things are good and they're the way God wired us but I will never know God as the God who is always there 
if I have only and first and foremost looked to the temporary things of this world to fill that need in me. There's nothing wrong with fish. But there's something in God's heart that longs for us to choose him over the big catch. We don't know what happened to the catch. Did Peter keep it? Don't know. But we do know he said yes to the follow again. He said yes to following me. Are we willing to lean in the direction of God? the God who meets every hungry heart. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to close your eyes. You know, I love this statement. John Eldridge, he's an author. He's written many books. He says, whether we know it or not, we are desperate for Jesus. He is the missing essence of our existence. Isn't that beautiful? I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment. And I want you to ask God, just say, God, is there anything in me that is there an area of discontent or dissatisfaction or disappointment that I've allowed to be filled by something of this world first? Or maybe you're in pursuit right now and you know exactly what it is. Could you be so bold is to just quietly pray and quietly ask God, just in the quiet space of your own head, just, God, is there anything that I am pursuing or anything that I've settled with, that I become content with, and I'm missing out on the more that only you can supply? God, we are just so thankful for your kindness to us. God, we're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful that you are the, God, you are the God that supplies, not just the stuff of this world you do and you love to do that, but God, overriding all of the temporary things. You are the bread of life. You are that living water, just like you told the woman at the well, you're the living water. You're the one who will take care of that thirst, that will quench that thirst in the soul, that quench that thirst in our in our spirit god we thank you that you're the you're the the meat that our body is longing for god you're the breath that our soul is longing for god we thank you that you're the one that is our very life and god we just we turn to you and god we just ask can we pray this prayer together church just pray this with me just say jesus thank you for being the one that truly satisfies god i trust you And right now, I ask you to turn my heart (laughs) towards you. God, be the one that fills the hunger in my soul. Be the one over everything else. God, I pursue you. I pursue you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And just with every eye closed, you know, we're going to pray one more prayer. And it's a prayer saying yes to following him because that's, man, you find you're hungry in life, you follow Jesus. And it's, you know, some here, it might be today is that follow again opportunity. Or maybe it's 
there was all sorts of disappointment or frustration with Jesus. His, the idea of who he was and your ideals about who he was, it didn't pan out. And I really believe he's asking today, will you follow me again and hunger for me again in a fresh new way? And so whether it's a first time or a return time, can we pray this prayer together, a prayer saying yes to Jesus? Simply this, let's pray out loud. Jesus, thank you for being the one who has done everything to give me life. I say yes to salvation, to following you, to living on mission. Jesus, you're the one that satisfies. Thank you, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you wanna take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.